This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Forging Table. The mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. At The Forging Table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's Word, and we're welcoming all of you to come along on that journey with us. That's Russell, that's Zach, that's Ryan. Guys, we're getting into Psalm 30, and the interesting thing about Psalm 30 is that is your favorite psalm, Ryan. And so uh, I don't think any of the rest of us are really going to talk for this whole thing, so if you just want to carry the entire weight of making this psalm good for the audience. Ready, set, go. All right, it's going to take about 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's cool that I'm the only one of the original Forging Table cast to actually do their psalm now. I know. Well, it's because like those we just don't like them as much, right? And again, they're not here to defend themselves, and they're the yeah. ones that didn't make themselves completely available to the Forging Table and to our audience. So, guys, if you want to know who you should root for, like who your favorite Forging Tabler is, Ryan, he's the one. He's like Johnny on the spot. He was ready to go. He was going to be flexible and present whenever he wanted to. Yeah, he gets my vote. I'm a loser who has no friends, except for you, Kyle. <laughs> well, there's that. There so, is that. Uh, so no, I, uh, Psalms 30, verse 5. Um, I like to say that this uh, set of scripture, or this chapter is like kind of like peeled back the onion for me. Um, there's many things that I've uh, gone through in life and uh, done and I've always come back to this verse, um, and this verse has changed in so many ways from uh, what it was for me at the beginning, and then as I've grown as a Christian, what it means to me now. Um, to bring a little bit of a, uh, a personal element to it, as a new believer, um, I was reading this uh, this um, chapter. Actually, it was uh, this chapter I was reading. And a verse really stuck out to me, and that was uh, Psalms 30, verse 5. His anger lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. At that time, he's dealing with a tough time in life. Um, was kind of doing some uh, not good things, uh, and God kind of just opened my eyes to uh, my depravity, and I didn't like the way that looked. I didn't like seeing myself in that light. I didn't think that light was a, was a good thing for me. Um, so I started getting into church, um, found a church, got baptized. Um, from there kind of went back into this whole, you know, his anger lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. You know, God's, God's like my father. He's going to be, you know, he's going to love me no matter what. Um, and he made me who I am. And so how I believe and what I believe and what I do, that's okay. Um, because I have grace. And so that (laughs) grace I took for, I took advantage of, I was throwing parties. Uh, I was actually part of a church group where uh, we would get together on Thursday nights, but then on the weekends, I was throwing parties, like massive parties. People are getting high, drunk. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was some sexual escapades going on within that group that I was leading as a supposed Christ follower. Um, And so I end up getting back into a rut. I get married. I have kids. And now I'm reading this Psalm again. And, and, and in this Psalm, I'm seeing a totally different light of my depravity. I'm seeing a total different light of what God's justice and grace looks like. Um, and I, that's where it kind of begins for me. So um, if you want me to start. Go um, ahead. Lead us off. Let's go. So, um, so uh, 30 verse 2 um, 
Oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. So, um, just looking at peeling back those layers, when I read something like that, it would be more of a prosperity type of mindset back when I first was a believer. Um, and now I look at it as a, as a, as like a, a cry out to God and, and praising him because he, he found me. And so when you, when you look at David in this and you look at him extolling God here, it's because God brought him out of the clutches of death. Um, and when I look back at this now as God brought me out of the clutches of my own depravity, my own death, my own spiritual death. Um, and so that really, that really took a lot from me. So, um, I, I guess where, you know, where do you guys see in that verse? You know, I see God alone heals and that David praises him for being, for being there for him. Well, I think it's, you know, I cried out to you for help. And so it really goes into what we were talking about last week where you're talking about, okay, taking your problems and your laments to God and then, you know, asking for help, especially when we have kind of this very Americanized, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps mindset. And, you know, to a degree, I think some people need a whole lot more of that in their life because anytime anything goes wrong, they look around for somebody else to solve the problem for them. And so I think there's some issues with that, but that's, that's what sticks out to me that he's crying out for help. Yeah. I kind of understood it the same way as what uh, Ryan was describing. And as a, a new believer, it was, God, I called out to you for help and you're the only thing that could have saved me. And that as a new believer, you just start to understand that that's the only direction you can go. You, you have your lifelong history of depravity and you know what's right and wrong just inherently. So it must be from the Lord. And now that you've been saved, I mean, it's, it's uh, the only direction you can go is to extol the Lord uh, for all his grace. I would even say when you get into verse three, Oh Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. So go down to the pit is another way of saying, you know, dying. But, you know, I saw in some of the commentaries where it's like, this was likely after a near-death experience that David had. And so you, you hear from different people before that have like died and then, you know, supposedly hovered over the body and looked at themselves and all that. And, you know, it's kind of like regardless of if it's true or not, they live as if it is that as if they were like, no, you're not quite done, but we're going to give you a little bit of a peek into what's in the next uh, area. And it's not just, you know, perpetual darkness. It's not just, you know, worm food. Like, you know, it's, it's a serious deal. And so I think that that's tied to that as well. Like God healing and God restoring somebody as well. I, I agree with you hundred percent and in the restoration. Um, I mean, when I, when I look at that, it's, you know, where, where are we going? You know, in the, in the, in the way that I was living my life beforehand, where was I going? Was I, was I going in the path of, of his heavenly grace or was I going to the path of shield? And, you know, that's one thing that I feel that, that God restored me in and that brought a lot of, uh, uh substance to this, this verse for me. Yeah. Um, I was looking at just some comments I had here um, that speak a little bit to that. And so uh, one commentator mentioned that the book of Psalms is kind of three different, there's kind of three major points. Um, one of them, it's either, they're either a Psalm of orientation, so a Psalm of praise, so things are oriented rightly with God, right? Or they're Psalms of disorientation, so that's like lament, things are wrong, things are out of order. And, and then there are Psalms of reorientation, which is thankfulness, which is kind of what this Psalm is uh, essentially. It's I'm reorienting myself in a proper way before God, right? Because I have experienced something 
that is kind of causing me to be thankful. And, and, um, and then uh, a quote that I have here, which I think is really, really good is it says, and I, I apologize. I didn't uh, source it or write the source, but it says gratitude is a profound defense against the swelling of pride. Um, and I just thought that was really, really good is, you know, he, David here is expressing his thankfulness and his praise for something, but that's really, it, it's pr- helping him to not be proud, prideful, right? Mm-hmm. To not be, think, oh man, I made it out, man, great job, Russell, great job, you know, uh, myself, right? And he's, he's, no, he's giving credit to where credit is true, is, is to the Lord. And the Lord is the only one who's going to be able to get us not only through this life, but, you know, for our eternal salvation, so. Right, and in the moment there, he's sorry to cut you off. No. Um, you know, it's, this is uh, David, or this, you know, Psalm is to basically um, glorify David for this temple that's been built, and he's giving all the credit to God. You know, when any other human in the world, especially at the time and even in our day, would be ready to take all the credit. Uh, I just uh, like that part of it. That's one thing I should have prefaced because I'm a horrible moderator, and that's why. I- Kyle does this job um, is that, you know, this Psalm is a dedication of either one of either the temple or one of David's palaces. Um, everybody seems and if to it agree. was the temple, it was the temple that yeah. was built after he died. Yeah. Right. So most scholars believe it was a temple. Um, but the Psalm begins with praise, you know, with I extol you. And then he looks back. If you read back here, he looks back at previous prayers and remembers previous prayers and God's actions. And then he leads with uh, public reminders and in individual te- in his individual testimony. Um, and so as we go through this verse, we'll kind of see those correlations. I wish I would have brought that up beforehand, but I did not star that on my notes. It's all good. So man. I just but, wanted to jump right in. No, that, that, that's good. And this really here, I don't want to go to verse five if there's more stuff in verses one through four. So may, make sure you get some more stuff because like I wanted to kind of camp out on verse five. Five and six bit. is where it's all at for me. Right. Four, five and let six me is take where it it's back all at to, for me. Uh, let me take it back to verse two and three then yeah. where, yeah. Um, uh, God, you've brought me up. You brought my soul up from Sheol. That just kind of really hit me as that was the moment when I was saved. God has brought me to a new point in my life and I've been reborn from all of my past now that I put my trust in the Lord, I don't have to do those things again. I have somewhere to turn to. I have a savior and him bringing David's soul up from Sheol maybe was saving him in a battle. But to me, reading that, it was God saving me and bringing my soul up from what I used to do in my past transgressions and the people I used to run around with. And like Ryan was saying, right when we opened up, you know, he was throwing parties. I was doing the same thing. Me and Ryan kind of came up around each other. And I was just a bad influence on people um, in general, um, not in an incredibly like terrible way, but I was just influencing them to do the wrong things and for the wrong reasons. So now that uh, I'm with the Lord, he's brought me up. He's brought my soul up from Sheol and delivered me um, so I don't have to go to hell. You know, now I have a purpose. Now I'm with the Lord. He's delivered me and I'm able to influence people in the correct manner. Yeah, I think that's helpful. <clears throat> I, I brought this up. I can't remember when, but people that have done really depraved things understand depravity way better than people. Well, go ahead. Well, so, so I was just, I was literally, so I think we're on the same vein here, same thought here. So what I wanted to say is I don't have the sim- similar experience that you guys have of like, oh, I was the guy throwing parties or whatever. Like I was just, you know, the good upstanding kid. But that doesn't mean that I wasn't 
just as bad of an influence. I was like, hey, you need to go get your days. Hey, you need to be the president of this or that or whatever. Because I was finding, I was doing it all up in myself, right? I mean, it's all about me. It was all about my resume. And that's what I was encouraging other people to do, right? And that's what my parents were, you know, wanting me to do because they didn't know any better. And that is just as depraved as, you know, somebody who's in the middle of a party, right? And so for me, um, can we just pause and say we've we've got a, a first time thing that's ever happened on this podcast? We had somebody who has their ringer on. Can we just start there? Like, does anybody have their ringer on these days? Are you on no. call? No, that was an alarm. Was Generally, an alarm. Sunday nights at seven. Uh, make sure I it's a really alarm. okay. I was gonna say, make sure it's a really <laughs> churchy answer. Normally, at seven is when I start fasting and praying to the Lord and all those different things. But no, thank you for allowing us to bust through that. He was in the middle of a fantastic point. No, 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 you're good. And then we had it this little Tinkerbell thing going I, off. That was in from pocket. the Lord because that, that was, was getting lame. That was the weakest alarm whatever. <laughs> so can you, if you don't sweet. mind, pick up where sweet. you where you left off. Uh, no, I'm just saying. So you know, I don't. I didn't have that same experience, but I know that that's really important, especially in you know. Um, maybe cultures like ours or in Oklahoma or whatever, where you've got a lot of, you know, good kids in society's eyes, maybe that haven't necessarily um, been in that. But man, my influence for, uh, is just as depraved because I wasn't pointing anybody to Christ. I mean, I, I was just saying, Hey, like I was kind of spreading the gospel of, well, if you're good enough, you'll be fine. You know? And I think that's even worse because, you know, that America has, has kind of pushed the narrative that like, you know, and it's even worse because I think it's, well, if you, if you feel good, then you're good. No, it's not, not, not only is there like a good and a bad, it's really if you feel good, which is even worse. But that said, um, you know, I think it's, I think it is great. Um, when there are people who have testimonies like Zach's and, and Ryan's where, where, you know, you've done things that you can clearly see were out of line with God, what God wanted. Well, mine Looking back, I can clearly see it. But in those moments, man, I, I was tipping those scales. And I'm, I'm better than he is or better than she is. And man, I was really depraved. And, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that I can see the holiness of God. And that's what, that's what David did really well in the Psalms is he really talks about the character of God. And you realize how, man, how far off we are, no matter how good we are. Well, it's, yep. it's the gospel behavioral modification. Right. That's kind of what you were doing. Cause I was the same guy. Like I was the guy in college where, you know, Friday night when all my friends were out getting drunk and making bad decisions, I was studying for Monday's test on Friday night. And so by Sunday when they're trying to cram, you know, I'm just going back over my notes and, and I'm ready to go for Monday, but it's like, <laughs> that can't save you. Like being the dutiful conscientious kid that doesn't really get into real trouble. Like that's, that doesn't save anybody. But those people, like I remember, you know, talking to some people that did some really hor horrific things and their understanding of depravity and total depravity was at a different level and it just came naturally to them because they were never marinated in I just don't get in trouble right they were always in trouble and it's kind of harder almost for a kid that's not really ever in trouble and is usually teacher's pet or usually doing the right thing for them to understand like that's not good enough like even as good as you are as good as you think you are it's just flat out not good enough um I feel like Psalm 30 really takes a, a turn, at least for me with verse five. And that's where I, what I said earlier is kind of where I wanted to camp out for his anger is, but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So the name of the Psalm is joy comes in the morning. Now I am sure that verse is really, really difficult to read and to hear for people that struggle with long-term depression people that are having trouble conceiving, 
people that have uh, lost a child or, or a close family member or a friend, for people who have gone bankrupt, maybe they've been screwed out of their business or out of their, their nonprofit. For someone to read that, it's like joy comes in the morning, especially when you understand that morning isn't referring to tomorrow when the sun comes up. Morning is when God will give his relief. And the reality is, is the relief may never come in this life. And that's kind of the hard things like the relief for your torment may come in the last day, the very last day before judgment, right? Or I guess it would be at judgment, right? And the renewing of everything. And so I really wanted to get y'all's perspective on that because I have not struggled with long-term depression or any of these, these crazy losses, but it's like, you read that and it sounds good. You know, joy will come in the morning, but it's like, man, but I'm, I'm in the crap right now. Like, and the morning is tomorrow and I know I won't feel better. So I dealt with anxiety. Um, especially when I was reading this for the first time, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, uh, mainly for the fact is I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up to know what was morally right and what was morally wrong. And, and I knew I was doing the morally abhorrent. Um, when I read that, I read that as, you know, God may be mad at me at this time, but you know what? That anger only lasts for a moment, but his favor for me lasts a lifetime. Um, so that kind of like opened up some like fatherly instincts that I had of God. Um, but then as I started reading my Bible more, especially reading the Old Testament, I see how God has his wrath and God throws down a lot towards the Israelites, especially after they break their covenant with him. And so now I'm looking at a God who's, you know, no longer a father figure. Now I'm looking at a God who's just like on a war path, you know, and then I'm, my anxieties are going even more like, you know what? I totally deserve everything that I'm feeling right now or what I'm thinking right now. Cause I had, um, hypochondria or something like that. I always thought I was dying. I thought I was dying for like eight years. Um, and so I was like, man, if I have cancer, I, I deserve it, man. I did this, you know, like God totally is justified in doing this. Um, so then when you read more and more into the context of this verse, and this is where John MacArthur calls it one of the most worshipful um, testimonies in scripture. Um, you look back in Isaiah 54, seven through eight, and it says for a brief moment, I abandon you. Um, during this time with, I'll give some, um, a preface first on Isaiah 54. This is when the, uh, um, the Israelites are in, in, in exile. Um, uh, I believe it's Babylonian exile. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a Bible scholar, but, uh, for a brief moment, I abandon you, but with great compassion, I will gather you. And in an outburst of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but the everlasting favor, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, the redeemer. And so during the time before Christ came, it was it 900 years before Christ came during, it was like kind of the dark period. Um, people thought that God turned on them, turned it, turned away from them. And maybe he, you know, maybe he did, maybe he turned his face like they talk about. Uh, a lot in scripture where, you know, because of what they've done in the past, he, he turns away. And so that's for a moment though. And if you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, know the plans that I have for you to prosper, uh, for you to, you know, um, plans to prosper. And I can't remember the rest of the verse cause I'm, I'm thinking of all these other verses inside my head right now. But during that time, that was the Babylonian exile as well with, um, with the Israelites, but they wanted to give up. They wanted to give up as a race and God kept them going, you know? And so God here is keeping you going. And the fact that his anger is for a moment, there's going to be consequences. I think our pastor talked about a, a couple weeks back um, about 
uh, and James about not all sin is the same. You know, is all sin the same? Yes and no. Yes, in that sin is sin and it's going to be viewed as sin, but the consequences of that sin are not going to be the same. Um, and so here we realize that, you know, his anger is here for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime, that he still has a plan for us no matter what we've done as long as we keep our faith in him. So I feel like I rambled for, for too long here, so I want to open up to you guys. No, I think that's good because ultimately you have to understand that with joy coming in the morning, like there has to be a predicate for why that joy would need to come in the morning. And so, because for most people, like if you're already joyful and everything's on the up and up, you're not expectant for the morning. I guess you could say you're not waiting on the morning. It's like, well, I'm feeling pretty good right now. So tomorrow will just be more gooder with more sunlight. Like this will be great. And so I, I think that that's, that's helpful as you look at that as well. And I think, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, but the, the joy too that comes in the morning, I think I, I, I missed the best part of this, but the joy is Christ. You know, the joy that came to the Israelites was the Messiah. The joy that comes to us that came to me in this time of need is knowing that I need a Christ, that I am a depraved sinner and I'm never going to be as perfect and holy as he is, but God sent him there for me. And that is where my joy comes. Yeah, I think um, on, a, on a prior um session of this, you know, I think you guys were talking about shame and guilt and how, um, like loss and, and failure is such a big motivating factor. It's, it's, and, and psychologically, I think even for the human race that, you know, failure is much more of a motivator than gain, right? We feel failure a lot more than you feel gain, but it's kind of interesting that with God, joy and sorrow are asymmetrical. The joy is so much greater than the sorrow. Um, I mean, you look at, essentially the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, the crucifixion um, in itself was so painful and so sorrowful. And for those three days, you know, while he is in the grave, I mean, the sorrow is immense. But upon that resurrection of Jesus Christ, that, you know, that joy in the morning of that day is so much greater. And I think that, you know, if we can just, in our finite minds, try and continue to, Teach that to ourselves as believers in Christ. Um, you know that will help us get through those seasons. And and I think you're right, Kyle. I think there are, um, you know, you know, we we pray that we don't find ourselves in those circumstances. But there will be some of us, you know, maybe in this room, or some of us that we're close to, who will be in seasons that will last for the remainder of their temporal life. Um, but eternity is so much. I mean, it's it's beyond our comp- you know comprehension. Obviously, the joy is experienced in that eternity far greater outweighs the 60, 70, 80 years we have here. Right, and that kind of goes throughout history. You think of God's anger. Uh, you know, what is that? That is how people feel. Like, you know, I feel like God's angry at me or I'm in the slumps, so God must be angry. Um, God's anger is only expressed throughout history is when people are in the, in the dumps. So everybody who's ever felt like they're down or that God was angry at them has lived and died, and that anger is over currently, besides Christ is the only one who's ever died and been resurrected. So every other person that's ever lived has experienced God's anger, but that is over now. And it is so that they can experience his favor in eternity forever. I think when we experience God's anger or his wrath, or we think it's his wrath or his anger, it usually is a consequence to our actions. And that's where I like to come back to, to verse six and seven, 
You know, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. So David was being arrogant. And I feel a lot of our, a lot of the wrath that we think that comes towards us is due to our own arrogance as either human beings or as Christians. Um, You know, the higher you are, the harder you fall, you know? And um, I feel in this, in this way that David, David's like in all my arrogance, I thought I had everything figured out, but no, I didn't. And you, even through my arrogance, you may have turned your head from me and was dismayed. But then you go into eight and nine to you, O Lord, I cry out, Lord, I plead for your mercy. And that's like something as a believer, you know, as a, as a, a form or not a former believer, but as a person who wasn't a believer beforehand, at some point, you know, God's going to open my eyes to my depravity and I'm going to have to call out and repent. Um, I'm going to have to repent of the way I've been living and, and then see the light in his way. And I got to know that, you know, through my arrogance, I can't do it all. I can't. I have to rely on him. So I'm showing my, my ignorance a little bit here. When I'm reading six and seven, I don't, I don't, for whatever reason, pick up that he was, uh, he was arrogant. Help me understand that a little bit more. So he says, as for, for me, I said my prosperity, I shall never be moved. So through his own prosperity, through his own doing, he says he shall never be moved. And he says, by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. So it wasn't him that should have never been moved. Like it wasn't through his bidding, it was through God's bidding. And he said, you hid your face, I was dismayed. Why did God hide his face? Because through what God did, holding him strong as a mountain, he thought he did through his own prosperity. And so that's when he cries out to you, O Lord, I cry out, Lord, for your mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? So he's, he's needing self-preservation. He's talking about self-preservation right there. So is it an acknowledgement problem here that he was, he's thinking he had it going on because he created that and the whole time it was like, oh, I'm not acknowledging you know, why things are so good. Like, yes. It's not that I'm so good. It's that it's been given to me in this good way. Yeah, and he'll recognize that in verses 30, 12 um, as, he, <clears throat> as he's talking about self-preservation, but you're right on track on that. Okay. I'm with you. I'm caught back up. I'm a little slow, but I get there eventually, guys. Stop looking at me like that. No, no you're good. You're good. That's, that's kind of where I, I, Ryan had the same thought I did. And that's, ex- that's actually where that quote came from. Gratitude is profound def- defense against the swelling of pride. So that's kind of where I had that originally from, from verse six and seven. Um, just the concept of, you know, not thinking you did it yourself, right? Because then he says, yes, Lord, you did it. Um, but I actually love verse eight and nine because then here's David kind of calling out to the Lord and he's like, almost like praying practically. He's like, Hey, Hey, well, if I'm dead, like who can worship you? You know I mean? I mean, you know, Hey Lord. You know, and, and I think that's okay. I think as believers, I think we need to recognize like that, you know, we are worshipers and, and ultimately God's highest call is for us to glorify him. Uh-huh. And, and I think, you know, when we recognize that and we say, Hey, give me the opportunity to glorify and honor you, Lord. Um, I think, I think, I think that's what he wants us to do. Right. And so he wants us to come to that realization and to do that ourselves. And so I like that he's praying practically like that. Um, you know, obviously the Lord knows that, but, but he's, you know, trying to make his argument right for his self-preservation. I think it's what I said. And I think it's great because he says, who will tell of your faithfulness? You know, like who's, you know, if I die, who's going to tell of your faithfulness is it's like enacting the great commission before the great commission was ever given, you know, like God wants us around as long as, you know, 
for as long as he has us around for, but he wants us to go out there and he wants us to talk of his faithfulness. When also, go ahead, Zach. What a, I mean, David is understanding here. He comes to the realization that what is his prosperity and what do his good deeds do in eternity if it's just because of him? You know, he's realizing in real time, I feel like here and pleading out for mercy that unless the glory is given to God, none of it means anything. And how will other people be inspired to glorify God and his kingdom and the creator if David is the one doing all these good things? You know, it has to be from God. One also in verse eight, and to the Lord, I pled for mercy. <clears throat> we, we've gotten almost comfortable with this idea that we're mistakers and not sinners. Oh. And like, when you make a mistake, you don't need to plead for mercy because the mistake is, is you turn left and you were supposed to turn, you know, at the next left, right? Like that's a mistake, but we, we just gotten comfortable in this language that, Oh, we you know I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And then we just say whatever our favorite sin is. And we're like, ah, that's why my sin's not that big a deal. Or, Hey, I took this personality test and I'm wired this way. So it's like, no one can actually be mad at me because you know, God made me this way. That's basically they're a walking lady Gaga song, you know, like, you know, I was born this way kind of a thing, but is, is that the first lady Gaga reference on the forging table? That's probably the first and last. Hope so. <clears throat> okay. I hope so. I hope so too. I don't, I don't know, know why, who, I don't know why someone said I that. I like Russell's poker face. Yeah, so, Russell's like, I just don't, I don't claim Kyle anymore. It's like, how can I get out of this room? I'm in the back okay. corner, but how can I get out of here without anybody noticing? But the point I was trying to make before I went off into Gaga land was pleading for mercy. That's what you do when you're <clears throat> repenting, not I'm sorrying. God, I'm so right. sorry I did that thing. Repenting is not saying sorry really loudly. Repenting is turning 180 from the life you were doing, the decisions you were making and, and the direction that you were going and going in the opposite direction. And you're pleading for God, like, please don't judge me based on what was what I was doing when I was going that way. I'm in the process of repentance. So that's that's like pleading, you know, how you know, I pled for mercy. Like that that's a big deal, I feel like, from verse eight. No, I think it's good. And my poker face actually was I'm sitting here recounting in my mind all the lyrics to that song because uh, no, it's your favorite and you negative, love singing it in the shower. Negative. Okay. No, um I have an eight, eight and a half year old son, and you know, honestly, ju- just um walking through kind of early in their life when they would make a mistake in talking about mistakes and then that leading to almost this like poor understanding of like sin. And so now I have an older son who's eight and a half years old and he does something that's out of line, disobedient, knows it's wrong. He's like, well, dad, I'm not perfect. I can't be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. I'm like, dude, like, you have no idea how mad you're making me right now. You know? And so, so walking through it, being careful with that. And I think it's really important like with our kids to lay the proper foundation for sin and not just like, yes, you can make mistakes, but when you are being disobedient, like, and it's, and it's truly, you know, wrong. And it's, you know, something like it, whether it's um, being crude to your brothers and sisters or disrespectful to their mom or whatever it may be. um, Those things are, are sinful and you don't get like a get out of jail free card you know, because oh, I can't be perfect. Like, no, like that, that's sinful, man. Like before mom and dad, because you're supposed to honor us, but really before holy God. And so just when you say mistaker, I'm like, man, I, I know with our oldest, like they were a mistaker for a while and man, that's wrecking, wreaking havoc and just their own development. Right. And he's also really bright. So he's, he's really good at construing things like, you know, he's very literal with words. So annoyingly. So got to be careful. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Ryan, go ahead and pick back up because you, you know, 
camping on eight and nine, but then, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of carries us through to the last few verses. Yeah. So, uh, 11 through 12, I mean, this is kind of where David, um, David recognizes all that he has is from God's hand and not his. Um, so coming out of the clutches where he was at multiple times when he's, uh, stolen God in the beginning, um, and looking back at other prayers, um, being free from those is not through his hand, but through God's, um, there's times in his life where he, uh, he did, he did stupid things, uh, Bathsheba killing of Uriah. Um, so at that time he had consequences. He lost his firstborn and his anger, uh, God's anger lasted for a moment, but did God's favor ever change for David? It never did. Uh, so, you know, he weeped through the night over his son and then, but in the morning there was joy because he knew of God's providence. Um, and so as for me, I said in my prosperity, we already went over that. Um, so if we get back to what this is, is the dedication of a temple. Um, the temple that was built, you know, they wanted like, I think, was it Zach that said it earlier about the temple? Um, was built and he didn't want to take credit for it. Right. Yeah. And I think it comes back as he wants to everybody, everybody to know that this is through God's hand that this temple was created. This is through God that all of the prosperity that they're having as the nation of Israel is not by David's hand, by his hand. And so, um, he basically reiterates that um, through verses 11 and 12. One thing about 11 that <clears throat> stood out for me just even recently reading it, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. So we have this modern kind of moral therapeutic deism. We have self-help books. We have mindset gurus. We have meditation. We have focusing on the self. We have personality tests. We have all these things. And it makes you the author of your attitude if it's good. And it makes the world the author of everything that could befall you, right? And so it's like, if anything is successful or if you're successful at all, it's because you are so awesome. But if things are bad, it's because of you were born this color or you were born this gender or to the socioeconomic status or because some unspoken force in the ether is like targeting you for destruction, right? But even right there, it's like, it's not, hey, through stick to and moxie, I was able to turn my morning into dancing. It's like, no, 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 you did that. So it's almost like he learned the lesson from earlier that it's like, no, 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 no. It wasn't me that did any of these things. It was you that turned my morning into dancing. And part of that, I feel like guys is like, it's, you have to let him do that because it wasn't like he was trying to decide, ah, should I turn this jack wagon's morning into dancing? Yeah, I guess I'll do that. But it's like you almost had to like get out of his way to allow him to do that for you. That's at least what I get whenever I'm reading that. I think um, as, as a note here, so George McDonald, so this is a guy who uh, influenced C.S. Lewis greatly. Um, he said there's one certain conviction, uh, and this is his quote, one certain conviction in hell is that I am my own. Um, not only is that what sends people to hell, but it also causes hell on earth today, right? So in the concept of I am my own, right? I mean, that, that goes clearly against the face of scripture. I mean, first Corinthians six, 19 through 20 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit who is, who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. But j- just the concept of, you know, Oh, well it's, it's my doing. I am my own. I'm going to do it. And that just wreaks havoc on, you know, earth today. And ultimately that's what, you know, individuals in, you know, hell are, are essentially aspiring to them for themselves. So, um, but I, I like, so verse 11 and 12 in particular, again, being the visual guy, the guy who I need word pictures um, to really let it soak in. And this is one of those ones that's really good, right? You've got 
dancing, we've got sackcloth, girded with gladness, you know, singing praise, not being silent, giving thanks forever. Those are all, I can kind of just picture that a little bit. Um, and it just, the joy that's being welled up from kind of this, you know, prior, you know, pittiness, I guess, that he was having, um, I don't know, sticks out to me. This is the longest dead air in the history of the forging table. I was just rereading 11 and 12. Clothe me with gladness. That was something that I wanted to kind of get into as well, because there are people that have natural predisposition towards gladness in most situations. And I'm reading something in the scripture here, so I want to be very, very careful because I'm, I'm about to eisegete, and I'm not going to exegete here. I get the sense that David might be a bit of a pessimist, uh, that David... Because again, when you read through the Psalms, there's so much lament and there's a lot of praise, but there's still kind of more on the, the lamentation side of things. But you clothed me with gladness. Someone that's glad all the time, it's like they almost don't recognize their gladness. Like a fish doesn't understand what wet is, right? Because like their whole world is wet. And so to a degree, it's like clothe me with gladness. I get the sense it's because he is so familiar with the opposite of that, whatever the you know opposite of gladness would be, you know, just pain, agony, lament. Um, so that, that language there is interesting to me and I don't have any special notes on that. So I don't know if any, for any of you guys, if that caught you in a particular way, but that, that just still stood out to me as well. I mean, I can see what you're saying. I mean, the, the guy's been through a lot. Um, fought Goliath at what, 15 years old, um, uh, was, uh, being chased by a King for half of his life, uh, lied to, um, did stupid things on his own, like uh, adultery and, and killing people and making bad decisions. And he, I think he, I think like, I would say with David, it's like learning, you could see the scars on David. When David laments, you can see the scars, you know, but when you read the Psalms, it's the scars are there, but his praise is even stronger than the scars. And so I could see where you can, you can get where you're, you're coming from him being clothed in gladness. But I think that he had so much faith in God and what God can do because he's seen that he's seen what God can do throughout his life that, you know, I don't know if this is in the end before the uh, temple was built or what, during the temple. So this could have been later in his life, especially since he's going back and, and praying about uh, uh, bringing up other prayers that he had in the past. So this could be later in life. This could be, you know, you've clothed me in gladness through all of what I've been through. Yeah, it's like he's realizing uh, John sixteen twenty four in real time. So he's pleading with God for mercy, which is asking. So John sixteen twenty four. Uh, until now, you've asked nothing of me. Ask, um, and you will receive, so that your joy may be full. He's saying, you know, he's pleading with God and asking for mercy, and now he's um, become. Um, clothed in gladness, you know, his joy has been made full. So I was thinking about why we were just talking through that, you know, ask and you shall receive their joy. Maybe, maybe full. Yeah. I was just going to uh, mention, you know, right before it says, you know, uh, so mine says girded with gladness, but you know, you have loosed my sackcloth. I mean, right before he says you girded me with gladness, you, you've let me get out of the morning stage, right? You know, you know, the sackcloth, they would put sackcloth over themselves when they're mourning. Um, and so I think to your point, I think he is, he's coming out of a season of that and he knows what it's like to praise God and he knows what it's like to lament with God. Um, and I do think that this is probably later in his life just because, you know, the temple was, 
he, he made the preparations for the temple, but the temple mm-hmm. actually wasn't made until Solomon, you know, which was after his life. And so you got to imply that this would be probably later in his life. Right. I think at the end of this, you know, I, I like the verse, Oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And I just think that's something we have to remember. I mean, I, I think it was last week we talked about going through tough times. Um, how do we handle, um, how do we praise him in the storm? And I think when it comes down to it is we just got to give thanks to him forever. All that we have is because of him. Uh, all, as David has shown, it's not all done by our hand. It's done by his hand, whether it's blessings um, or if it's going through those tough times. You know, um, I know his hand doesn't cause those tough times. Our, our sin in this world causes those tough times, but it's his hand guiding us. And if we just look closer and we look for that hand and we reach out to him, I think that in the end we'll be clothed in, in gladness. And there's certainly more to say, but that is a fantastic place to leave that. So guys, uh, we're going to have to leave that there. Um, that's going to wrap up the Psalms for us for a little bit. <clears throat> Every, or go ahead. I do What's have up? one thing. Yeah, yeah. Since we have a little bit of time. Yeah. Aren't you happy I did not pick a Calvinistic psalm? You do it. But go for you, everything you read, including <laughs> restaurant menus, is Calvinist in some way. So, but yeah, I do appreciate it. If we didn't have to talk about election until the very end of this thing. We didn't talk about election. I, I just know. Said, I know. Just but said, but you, you, you couldn't just let it go. We couldn't have just gone all the way through the outro without you bringing something up like that. I figured he'd be proud of me. These are the awesome. messages I get. I'm like, oh, I just love the reform guy. <laughs> As they're like beard waxing themselves. It's like, I don't even on. have a beard. I know, but I'm you know, 90% reformed. I know. Because I can't have a beard. The last 10%. Thank we'll, you, John Cooper, for yeah. teaching me that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll get after. But <laughs> no, that, that that's great. The thing with the Psalms is like, you could literally just like pick through and then do a random one. And there's going to be something there for you. I mean, again, there are Psalms that have been turned into hymns that you guys have sung a lot before. Maybe you're into Shane and Shane stuff with that kind of a thing. The Psalms are just a great place for us. And that's Psalms and the Proverbs are going to be what we're going to be using on the forging table as kind of palate cleansers. Uh, Not that you would necessarily need that, but like in between larger book studies, these are things that you can kind of drop into and drop out of that are going to be kind of wisdom literature for us as we move forward. But If you will come back here next Sunday, we're going to be digging into my favorite book of the entire Old Testament, and that is Nehemiah. So I talked about Nehemiah a lot on my show, and so we're going to be getting into Nehemiah, and we're going to be getting into Nehemiah 1. So guys, make sure that you read that this week so you're prepared to get after it next week. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. And as I talk to you about every week, we have a donation link there because the only way we're able to pull off any of the stuff that we pull off is because we have donors. We have guys that are doing one-time donations, maybe a couple of times per year, or guys that are donating on a monthly basis to make sure that we can still operate and equip men around the globe to push back darkness. We get a little bit of money from advertisement, but the overwhelming majority of our operations here is taken care of because of guys exactly like you. So go to that link there in the show notes or go to undaunted.life backslash donate to hop on board. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Judah.